0: Hello everybody, welcome back. Uh, this is Kylo Shields. I'm sitting across the table as always from Dylan Brown. Uh, we're back for another
1: episode of Caffeinated Bible Chatter. Hey.
0: What's going on, Dylan?
1: Going good. I'm gonna mix up my first word intro. <laughs> uh, go things are going good. And I'm excited to be here. Excited to be back in the studio where we were not last week. Yes. So hopefully the sound will be a little bit more polished this go around. Um, but I'm excited about our new subject slash series, topic, whatever. I'm excited about it. Looking forward yep. to it. Yeah, I think it'll be good. Back to the,
0: the the black coffee today. Ooh. We're sitting in the chilly garage. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, Kyle's drinking black coffee. I think we're drinking the same thing. He's drinking a black coffee of Pike Roast, Starbucks Pike Roast. Um, and I am drinking Pike Roast as well. I am not drinking it black, as I never do, Um but I do want to give a shout out to the creamer I'm using. It's not the my favorite tasting creamer because my favorite tasting creamer is some kind of Starbucks caramel macchiato, real sweet stuff. But, you know, it's terrible for you. So for all those hippies out there that are like me that sometimes try to watch the, uh, you know, the oils. Because, by the way, seed oils are one of our greatest problems in America. Amen. Okay. And so if you, if you like to avoid all that stuff, it inflames your body. It's terrible for you. I even think it's bad for the soul. I think it does that much inflammation. But I'm drinking this creamer called from Coffee Mate. It's, it's sweet cream flavored. And it's called it's Natural Bliss Real Milk and Cream Creamer. It's got a very basic taste. So it's not you're not going to drink it and be like, Boy, I tell you, that's a cream right there. But it is good. It works good enough for your non-black coffee drinkers. And it even advertises this on the front. It's only got four ingredients. And so, if you know anything about creamers, you know that they don't have, normally, only uh, four ingredients. So, I'm liking it. Feeling less inflamed. Joints feel good. (laughs) Coffee's hot. I'm ready to fire away with a sword and talk about this good subject. I I will say, this subject, uh, it fires me up. It gets me going. It gets me motivated. uh, It gets me... Thinking I'm sorry, sack of taters, because I'm like, my gosh, Dylan, you need to get out there and get busy with the, you know, with the work. Um, but it it fires me up, and I don't really know what exactly what this will be entitled, but I have written at the top of my notes, Kyle, what is the mission of a Christian? So I don't know, maybe okay. something along those lines, or what is the mission, or whatever. But specifically, we're going to try to at least at some point. Uh, talk about evangelism or you know, being a witness, sharing the gospel, however you want to phrase that doesn't matter. but talk about that because that's obviously a very important thing. Um, and I think I think that a model that we're going to try to start taking with this, this uh, podcast is we're going to try to go from deep things to practical things, back to deep things, back to practical things and do that rotation. Not that necessarily the King James stuff was deep. Like you may be thinking, Dylan, I saw full brassy to say that that was deep. It was Y'all were pretty stupid in my opinion. Well, okay. But what I mean is, you know, things that are more practical versus things okay. that take a little bit more study and get stuff some like life that.
0: application from this. Not yes. From, maybe not so much from the King James.
1: Right, yeah. The King James <laughs> at the end of the day, it's all about we're trying to show you that you need a final authority and it's got to be somewhere according to his promises and stuff like that. Um, but a couple of verses that, I'm going to use, or I've kind of, me and Kyle were talking that I'm kind of gleaning from to kind of take this approach. Uh, it first, The first one being, I should have typed this in, in my East word already. But Proverbs 11.1, 1, which says, A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. So we want to be balanced in our approach. Now, let me say, some people take the approach where they're like, if it's if it doesn't help me on monday morning then don't speak about it. Well, okay, well the the bible if it if it's in the bible it's 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 in there for a reason. Whether it's crazy deep or it's not, if it's in there it's worth studying. Even if it is something that is extremely wild. Okay? So, uh, we want to be balanced in our approach. We again, we don't just want to we don't just want to talk about practical things, but we also don't just want to talk about crazy things because we actually started we thought we were going to go into a series right after the King James stuff on uh, strange doctrines or crazy doctrines in the Word of God when we think we're going to save that for ne- for the next series after this little series on the mission and evangelism and stuff like that. Uh, but the other verse that I'm referencing, and it, I will say the context of, of this verse is, is talking about, um, you know, certain type of, of meats and stuff like that. But really in Hebrews chapter 13, he's just given a lot of final charges in this, in this book. And verse nine says, be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. So it's easy. This is what I found in my life. And by the way, I'm not going to leave studying the deep things. I love studying the deep things and I think it's profitable but I found in my own life that when, when it's only the deep things that I'm studying um, and not the day-to-day things, that I can sometimes get hardened or uh, you know, I don't do the things we're going to talk about in this episode as much or I'm not thinking about it as much or whatever for some reason. Um, so so the, the simple doctrines, if you will, is what establishes the heart and grace okay, based on what this is saying. And then the verse says, not with meats. Okay, That's deep doctrine. Which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. So, in other words, if it's only me and we're never getting the simple truths of, of our day to day, you know, practical application, devotional application, then uh, it can be a problem. And so, we want to try to take that balance, as Proverbs 11, uh, 11 said, and do that. So, uh, we're going to, again, talk about the mission and define that and really. Um, I, I think in this, this series we're only going to talk about evangelism, but we are going to try, <clears throat> try to lay out in this episode the whole mission, and then maybe in future episodes we'll kind of tackle each section of the mission in, in its own little uh, series, if you will. But this series will be about evangelism, but we'll prom- we're going to, in this episode, a lot of it's going to be laying out the entire mission so that you can see that evangelism is the first component of the mission, Okay. Kyle you want to go to Matthew 28 19 and 20 maybe that'll be a good place for us to kind of jump start uh when you think about the mission or oftentimes we call it the great co-mission because at the end of the day it is a co-mission because the Lord it's his it's his work it's it's something that he can do through us as we yield ourselves to him but we all at the same so so God works through us in this but at the same time we can't just have a Calvinistic mindset where we say well, well Things are going to be done as they'll be done. No, God still gives us uh, the ability to make decisions, and he gives us commands to obey. Uh, and, and how we obey those or disobey those has great bearing on how God can use us in the mission. So we do have a responsibility in this just as God wants to work through us. Um, so go ahead. These two verses are what come to mind, the most commonly when we think about the Great Commission. Yep.
0: Matthew uh, 28, 19, and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen.
1: And so there you have it. Uh, like I said, if if you are a studier of the Word of God and we say Great Commission, probably, I mean, there's several other places, Mark 16, 15, Acts 1, 8, stuff like that. Um, but you probably at least my mind goes to Matthew 28, 19, 20, very common. And so that's what's happening. Jesus is ascending and he's giving them this commission to say, hey, he's telling his disciples at this point, in this context, hey, uh, this is what what you are to go to do. And I'll say more about this later in this episode, but many people that are, we are dispensationalists, as we've said, but there are some people that are considered hyper dispensationalists, which they believe that nothing is profitable outside of Romans through Philemon which we believe that's where we get our, our, our doctrine for this day and age, uh, but they believe that nothing else is profitable, they would say, well, that's to a bunch of Jews. That command was. And it was to a bunch of Jews, but I will also say this is after the death of Christ, and that is when things really go into motion into the real New Testament is at the death of a testator. Reference the dispensationalism episode for more on that. Um, okay, so... It really shouldn't shock us. Okay, so like we're entitled to something to the effect of what is the mission, you know, for a Christian? What is it? Uh, and a lot of people, I think, that they come, they truly come to know Christ, but never uh, really grab hold in, in a clear way what their purpose is after coming to Christ. They may say something to the effect of, well, it's to glorify the Lord. And that's certainly true. Uh, they may say, It's to be faithful in my local church. And that is certainly true. But if they can't put real handlebars on on the exact things that God wants accomplished in this time period, then they're really missing out on the purpose of their life. And I say this all the time, but there's a lot of things you can live without, but living without purpose will drive you crazy. You see that all the time. You see people that are even famous and make tons of money and have everything they could want they have gotten to the place that the american dream can bring you to at its greatest extent and then they realize they're still miserable and the reason that is is because they don't actually know why they're even here why they even have breath in their lungs and so uh, again that can drive them crazy so i say this all the time too i noticed one thing when i trusted christ or i noticed one thing after i trusted christ I noticed that I didn't get caught up into the third heaven. <laughs> I, I, I just got up off the bed that I was in, uh, that I was on, uh, praying to receive Christ. And I mean, I was excited and I was relieved. It was really one of my greatest uh, emotions, I guess, or feelings, whatever. Um, but I didn't have some out of body experience or anything weird. No, I just actually outside, even though I was a new creature in Christ, I walked out of that bedroom still in the same setting in life that I was in before I received Christ. And okay, and so we we obviously know that's why we're talking about the mission is because God doesn't take us straight to heaven because he has things he wants us to do and to accomplish as a believer, and that is the mission. Okay, so let's define the mission or the word mission. Uh, Like I said, many people call it the great co-mission, and that's certainly appropriate too. Um, but let's define the mission because you won't find this word in your Bible. When we talk about you know, the mission. We talk about missions when people are overseas doing those kind of things. Uh, but, but mission in Webster's is simply ascending or being sent, uh, usually the latter, a being sent or delegated by authority with certain powers for transacting business commission as sent on a foreign mission. Okay, so the first part of that again, ascending or being sent. Now, the question at, at this point now is to what? Okay, and that's what I uh, hope to define very clearly from Scripture in this. And we know mo- a lot of these things, uh, most likely, but it'll just kind of put some handlebars on it and make it simple and go from there. So, again, nothing happened. You you have the same testimony. If you're honest, you have the same testimony of after receiving Christ, you didn't have some out-of-body experience. If you did, that's weird, and that's not biblical. And I don't mean that to be ugly, but that's just not how it works these days. Um, So, it shouldn't shock us that God has called us to a mission. Well, why should it not shock us? And Kyle, if you want to go to 2 Timothy 2. It shouldn't shock us that God has called us to a mission because the Bible references New Testament Christians as soldiers. And I would say that that is one of the most unthought of characteristics or ways to describe a Christian in this day and age Christians are all about love today and there's nothing that's certainly biblical as long as it is biblical love because God is love um, we oftentimes misdefine love but uh, they're all about being sweet and kind and love and all those things are important but the, to them oftentimes the thought of being a soldier seems too intense um, and so they don't live their lives or we oftentimes don't live our lives with that mindset but read uh, verse three and four of Second Timothy two. They're big cow.
0: Second yeah. Timothy two. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier.
1: Okay, so it shouldn't shock us that we're called to a mission. Because you think about military and and that kind of thing. What are they going to do? They're even though they may not use the word mission or maybe they do, uh, they're going to accomplish something. They are being sent by their country, by their commanders, by their generals, whoever, they're being sent to go and and accomplish this, to accomplish this mission. I
0: I got a quote written beside this verse. There you go. Uh, It says, neutral soldiers in time of war are the greatest weapon the enemy has. I like that. So don't be a neutral Christian.
1: Amen. (laughs) I want to say another quote just that made me think about this in this whole soldier conversation um. Really, this whole thing of talking about the mission and talking about evangelism, this is again, this is we're making the case is very clear in scripture. This is why we're even living and breathing. And so many people, the standards of Christianity today are so flat, they're so weak, and people have this mindset where they they think, oh, I go to church, like I'm given, boy, God is blessed to have me. I go to church once a week. And, and by the way, there's a lot, a lot of people that don't go to church once a week, but some they're like, well, "I tell you, boy, I make more services than I don't." Boy, God, he's got himself a he's got himself the real deal right here, and and faithfulness is certainly important. But I heard this quote. I was just thinking about this when you made that quote talking about soldiers. One guy said it like this, uh, and he said it from a podcast that we used to listen to. That no longer is in existence, RIP. But he said this. That a, a soldier making or a soldier has to make. Okay, I'm I'm doing, I'm going live now, so I'm getting nervous. I'm gonna mess it up. Let me think. <laughs> Recollect, Dylan. A soldier can't be a good soldier and not make morning formation. Okay, that would equivalent to going to church. But just because a soldier makes morning formation, it does not make him a good soldier. So think about that in the context of the Christian life. Just because I go to church, that don't mean squat if I'm not truly, fully giving my life to the mission. And so you're like, okay, Dylan, what's the mission? Well, you probably have ideas of what it is, but again, we're going to define it. But so it's interesting. So like I said, uh, the word mission does not actually show up in the Word of God in our Bibles that we use. Um, Co-mission does, and it's not really... Uh, a great reference for what we're talking about. Um, but it is it is called other things, and, we, and there's certainly nothing wrong with calling it mission. That's why we're calling it the mission. So we get off our back. Uh, but it is called uh, certain things that kind of go along with this whole thing of, of being a soldier. Um, it is called, the Christian life is called a war. And Kyle, if you, uh, you want to go to First 1 Timothy 118, all right. And I'm going to go uh, 2 Corinthians ten, four. So it's called, the Christian life is called a war uh, or warfare. They go interchangeably. Um, so Kyle, if you got 1 Timothy 1.18, go ahead and read that, bad boy. Yeah. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies
0: which went before on thee, that thou by them... Wow, hold on. That thou... So these prophecies, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare.
1: All right, Paul's telling Timothy, hey, you want, he wants them to war a good warfare. 2 Timothy 10.4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And by the way, you cross reference that around, study that out. Uh, those weapons are the word of God and prayer in our life. And so, but again, those weapons, why are they needed? Well, because we're, we're in, in warfare. All right, so it's called this, you know, and you think about it, again, from the context of being a, a, just a loose Christian that doesn't give themselves to the mission. Well, there's really no war in somebody that's just kind of going through the motions. When the, the heat gets turned up, when someone is pressing to obey the word of God and surrender their life to Christ in and, and, and everything they do, that's when... It, the, the warfare is when someone's actively trying to evangelize because that's hard. Things get awkward and people push back and et cetera. You get what I'm saying? And so it's called a war warfare. Okay, it's also called a fight. Kyle, if you want to go to 1 Timothy 6.12, since you're already close to that, I'll go to 2 Timothy 4.7. So it's called war or warfare. It's, it's also called a fight. And This is all uh, relevant to the Christian life, which is what we're defining the purpose of the Christian life is. Go ahead with that, big guy. Yeah. 1
0: Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses.
1: All right. And then 2 Timothy 4, 7, this is Paul, the last chapter he ever wrote uh, in the Word of God, and he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. Okay, so we see... There, clearly, he's talking about the Christian life being the good fight, and he finished it. Uh, We see it's called a war and warfare, as I said. And then it's also called—okay, well, sidebar real quick. Also, the Christian life is compared to a race. Okay, that's one way it describes it, but I don't have that written down. We're not going to really say that. But then, uh, thirdly, I have that it's also called the work. And certainly, the mission is work. And certainly, if you think about it in the terms of battle, like a military, that is work. You're not sitting in a lazy boy when you go to battle. You know, there's no, no, no has ever been in a firefight sitting in a lazy boy. It's, it's work. Uh, it is taxing. And so um, it's called this and compared to this in our Christian life and the word of God as well. So Kyle, if you want to go to Acts 13, 2, Acts chapter, and again, like I always say, I would encourage you to, Look at these references, too, if you're not driving. I I listen to most podcasts while I'm driving. But if you're not driving, I'd I'd, uh, pull these references up, too. But uh, Acts 13.2, Kyle has that. Go ahead with that, big cow.
0: As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas
1: and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Okay, so that is where we've read that reference a lot recently with talking about, um, I think, We In that chapter, we're talking about Antioch and stuff like that. It's verse number one. Um, But that is where Paul originally is getting sent out as a missionary. So that's what we read the definition of the mission. And we see that the Holy Spirit says, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work. Okay. And so that is certainly, we know that is what Paul goes to do and spends the rest of his life on the battlefield, fighting the good fight, doing the work. Uh, and then I have 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Very, I love this verse. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So, whatever you want to call it. You want to call it the mission. You want to call it the Great Commission. You want to call it the fight, the work. People say, I'm out here serving the Lord, work, doing the work of the Lord. Whatever. doesn't matter. Uh, this is all the same. And so it's obviously we're, we're left here after salvation for uh, for that purpose. Okay, so let's let's try to now define what the mission is or uh, and that type of thing. So I have written down here that the mission is the work of the Lord. And I just, we've made that clear with these references and stuff. Um, as I read in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, and then Kyle did in Acts 13, 2. But that's what the mission is. It's the work of... Of the Lord. Okay, so now let's get more technical. What is the work of the Lord? Because, and Kyle, if you want to run to John 17 with me, what is the work of the Lord? Because, or actually, you can go to, yeah, go to John 17. Because, by the way, people attach every, about everything in, the, in church now with the work of the Lord. I'm not hating on singing groups, but people think that singing groups are the work of the Lord. And I think they can be glorifying to God and stuff like that, and certainly a good thing. Uh, But we got to be real technical. And again, like we said last week, if we're going to define what things mean, we got to define them with scripture and not based on what somebody else says or based on opinions and stuff like that. Um, So we find this interesting verse. Read verse uh, four, big guy. Four of John 17. Yeah. I have glorified thee on the earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. So Jesus makes this really interesting statement there in John 17, 4, where he tells the Father that he has finished the work that, he, that he's to do. Okay, what's, the reason that's so interesting is because if you're looking in your Bible, he hasn't gone to the cross yet. And so John 19, 30, this is where most people think when we talk about the finished work of Christ being what he did on the cross. And by the way, that is a completely accurate statement. But John 19, 30 says, when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. So what's interesting about that is he is yet to go to the cross. But what he's saying in John 17 is he's telling the, he's telling the father, hey, I, I finished the work that you gave me to do. And what the work is, we're going to define this throughout this chapter. John 17 is a really important place in your Bible. And it'll define this, not just me saying it. But what he is talking about is the work he did in the three and a half years of his earthly ministry. And so what we're proposing to you is that the purpose of your life after coming to Christ is to give yourself to the same thing that Jesus Christ gave himself to in his three and a half year earthly ministry. And so he he breaks that down. Throughout this chapter, and we're going to highlight three things that I would com- I, I would compose as the total mission. The first one is in verse six. Kyle, if you've got that, if you want to read verse six,
0: still in John seventeen, yeah. yeah. All right. Verse six: I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world; thine they were, and thou gavest them me,
1: and they have kept thy word. Okay, so this is evangelism. So the first component, as we've already said early in the episode, the first component of the mission is to evangelize or to witness. And notice what Jesus Jesus says there. He says, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me. And that's what we're to do. We're to proclaim the name of Christ, to proclaim the gospel to uh, those that are around us, to people. We're to preach the gospel. And so Christ, uh, he certainly does that there. Okay, the second component of the mission, a few verses down, and again, maybe you can find a lot here in John 17. But I'm just highlighting some things that are really, that stand out. Verse number eight, we see discipleship. Go ahead and, and read that if you would, Bikai.
0: For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and
1: they have believed that thou didst send me. Okay, so he says, I, I have given them the words which thou gavest me and they received them. Okay, that is uh, what discipleship is. Discipleship is a buzzword today in churches, and really people mean 50 different things when they say it. Um, But like the church that I attend, we're very big into discipleship. We have discipleship ministry where people uh, spend one-on-one time with somebody, somebody that's more mature in the faith and knows the Word of God. They pour into them We have 18 lessons that we use to talk about basic fundamentals of the faith. Uh, And it's not just the lessons. It's to spend time with them and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, the secret sauce of discipleship, because discipleship is how a believer grows. The secret sauce of discipleship is the Bible. Like we can cutesy it up and, and try to, you know, redo lessons and redefine things and stuff like that. There's nothing wrong with those things. But at the end of the day, the word of God is what changes lives. And so Jesus not only manifests the name of the Lord, but he gives them his words. He spends time with them, no doubt. He invests who he is into them. But he invests the words of God. He teaches them. Okay, and you actually see a, a good prayer, parallel verse later on in the chapter. Verse 17, John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth sanctify means to set apart it's part of growth sanctify them through thy truth then he says this thy word is truth so if you want to grow you want to be more set apart you want to look different next uh, at the end of next year than you did today man it comes from immersing yourself believingly in this book and so we see jesus giving himself to discipleship to these men investing himself in the word of god into men and then thirdly uh we see the last thing is to send those people so someone take let's say someone witnesses to somebody and they receive christ they don't they don't just need to leave them there that's one of the biggest problems i would say in the last 50 years in the church is that people are they get saved and they're told hey to go sit on the pew and show up to church now that's important they need to show up to church they need to be faithful all that's very important Uh, but they don't they don't grab hold of them and teach them the word of God as they should. And so they get carried about with every wind of doctrine. They flake out. They do all kinds of stuff. Okay, so let's say someone takes somebody, they lead them to Christ. They then disciple them, train them up. Okay, then the third component is there to send them out to go and do that with somebody else. So when, you, when someone completes, quote unquote, discipleship, and, and you're always discipleship is, again, it's growth. It's being conformed to the image of Christ. That is a process that happens uh, from the time you get saved to the time you die or the rapture happens. But, okay, well, let's say somebody completes that. Well, uh, they're to go and to do that, invest that in somebody else. Lead somebody to Christ, be an active witness, be an active disciple. Okay, and so the third component is sending that person out to do the same. And so, Kyle, if you want to read verse 18, 18, we find Jesus doing that very thing.
0: Yeah, Luke 17, 18, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I
1: also sent them into the world. Okay, so Jesus is sent into the world, as we know, and what does he do? He, he manifests the name of God. That's pi- that pictures evangelism. He gives them their words, the words of God, and these men receive these words. And then once they've received these words and he's taught them, uh, you know, and, and, and they've grown, he sends them out to go do that elsewhere to go do that in other people's lives. And so, and that on a corporate level, that, that individually, that looks like me leading somebody to Christ, discipling them, and then them going out and doing that with somebody else. And then on a corporate level, that looks like churches planting churches. And so that's certainly part of it. And that's where we'll see uh, with the Apostle Paul. So, um, that is the entirety uh, of the mission. Okay, so we, we define what the work of the Lord is. Okay, but what, what eventually happens? Well, Jesus does this whole thing in John 17. In John 19, he, he is crucified. And then, of course, we have several references throughout the Gospels and the book of Acts. But Jesus, what does he do? He ascends back to the Father. Okay, so he's no longer here. So how is it that we're able to partake in the work of the Lord when he is not here anymore? When he, I mean, he gave him, himself into these men and now he's gone. Well, Jesus left every part of his being here on, uh, here on earth in, in different ways. So how did he do that? Well, we're, we're all triune beings, body, soul, spirit. Okay, so first of all, he gives, and Kyle, if you want to go to John 14. He, so first of all, Jesus, after he ascended and after Pentecost in Acts chapter 8, he leaves us his spirit, the spirit through the Holy Spirit. So, Kyle, read uh, John 14, 16. 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall
0: give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. That comforter
1: is capitalized. Amen. (laughs) We're going to see if it's capitalized in modern versions. I don't know. (laughs) Sorry. We're done with King James stuff for now. Uh, Okay, so he's talking about the, the Holy Spirit there. He's saying the Holy Spirit has not come, but he will okay john 16 7 this is a really uh this is a verse that really stands out to me because people could say well if jesus was still on earth i could i could do this kind of stuff i could be like the disciples if he was here i could see him and touch him whatever well this is what jesus said in john 16 7 after he's let them know the doctrine of the spirit of god and the holy spirit he says nevertheless i tell you the truth it is expedient for you that i go away wow that's a statement. Why, why is it expedient for them that he goes away? For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So according to Jesus Christ and the word of God, it is more beneficial to have the Holy Spirit inside of a believer permanently to partake in the work of the Lord and to live the Christian life than it is to have Jesus in the flesh. That's a wild, wild, it's hard to, wrap, hard to wrap a mind around, but that's what he says. And again, go back to the dispensationalism episodes, but in no point before this did people have the Holy Spirit permanently. They may have had the Holy Spirit, but there was no guarantee they would keep the Holy Spirit. Again, if that sounds crazy to you, go back and listen to those episodes. We don't have time to dive into that. So it was a, it was an, it's a new thing in the, in the New Testament that he's telling them will come. So he leaves us his spirit through the Holy Spirit. He leaves us his soul. And Kyle, if you want to go to John one one, he leaves us his soul by giving us the completion of the Word of God today. Now, what is the soul? That is really who we are. Like for us as you know humans, our soul is uh, an inner body and technically inside of our physical body. It's it's really at the core what makes us who we are. Okay, well, what, how we know Jesus Christ, and it doesn't matter what crazy teachers or preachers will tell you, the way that we know Jesus Christ is the Bible, not through anything else. And so John 1, 1, very popular passage. I can Go ahead and read that, Big Yep.
0: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God.
1: And so the Jesus possesses the same title. Now, when it's capitalized, that's referring to Jesus. When it's lowercase, that's referring to the written Word of God. But Jesus has the same title as the Word of God, the Bible, that we have. Okay, so he gives us his spirit through the Holy Spirit. He gives us his soul through the Word of God. And by the way, there's no better direction than those two things in our Christian life. And the way, the the Spirit of God always answers to the Word of God. And so that is to be the lamp unto our feet and the light into our path. And so this book, the Spirit of God teaches us through this book, His spirit teaches us through his soul, his inner being, who he is, his thoughts, his mind, this book, and it directs us in in, in this Christian life. And then thirdly, uh, Kyle, if you want to go to Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12. Thirdly, okay, you're like, okay, well, how about his body? How about his physical body? It's not here. Well, he leaves his body uh, by, by giving us the church, by making us a part of the church. Okay, and so uh, Ephesian, the book of Ephesians is all about the, the mystery of the New Testament church. And he says this in uh, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12.
0: Verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry,
1: for the edifying of the body of Christ. Okay, so the body of Christ, that is the church, that is every single believer that is, trust, that is alive today is is a part of his body. And that is why we're to be his hands and feet. We're to be the ones going out, partaking in this mission. Now, just to notice a little sidebar in that verse that Kyle just read. The work shows up again. Read verse 12 again, if you would, Big For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So the work, there. The the phrase the work shows up again. The work is always tied to the church. Now, granted, as I just said, the, the, the church is all believers that are, that are on this earth that know Jesus Christ. Okay, But when you really study out the church throughout the word of God, it's always tied to a local, uh, to a local church, to a place, to a, a local church that you invest your life into and you serve in. So again, this is kind of a sidebar, but talking about this mission, we are to go out and serve on our own and to evangelize on our own and to do those things on our own. But the, the mission is always tied back to the local church. So God hasn't called any independent contractors for the mission. Again, that doesn't mean you don't go out and witness when you're not at church. That is certainly a part of it, but you always have, a, have to have a place to plug them into once they have received Christ. So the local church is always is always a part of that. But there you go. You see the body of Christ is his body, which is the church. Um, okay, so that's how we're able to uh, you know, to do the mission. As he, you know, he works through us and he gave, he gave us himself in these manners. Um, now, what some people will say in, in all of this, again, we talked about the work of the Lord is the work that the Lord did while he was on the earth. And that's pretty simple. But what some people will say again, like I kind of was mentioned at the beginning of this episode, some of these hyper guys, these hyper dispensationalists, they'll say, "Well, that was we don't we don't uh, do what Jesus did on Earth because that was before He died on the cross. We do what the Apostle Paul did." Okay, well, they're not wrong in saying that we do what the Apostle Paul did. The only problem, and there are some dispensational lines that are changed between Jesus's earthly ministry and Paul's ministry, but the only problem with that is Paul di- did did what Jesus was setting up. Paul did what Jesus was doing. It was just that the church had been ushered in at that point. had The church age had started. Okay, so, what did Paul give his life to? Well, Paul, we, and we don't have time to hit references with this. We're already 38, 38 minutes deep. But Paul preached the gospel. He says that over and over and over. Paul discipled. He invested himself in the word of God into people. That's what his seven letters to the seven churches are all about. These are people that have trusted Christ, and he is writing unto them, giving them truth. That's what his epistles to Timothy is about. Timothy is his, his uh, Paul was Timothy's mentor. Paul was pouring himself um, into Timothy. So Paul preached the gospel. Paul discipled. And guess what? The third component, Paul sent people out. Like I said, that's connected with church planting. And Paul gave his whole life, that's what his whole life was consumed of, was planting churches. He'd go and plant a church, and then he'd go somewhere else. He'd go and plant a church, and then he'd go, that's what his whole life was. Okay, so, the there there isn't, no, the, people can't trip us up to say, well, you know, Jesus, well, his earthly ministry was pre-crossed. And maybe you've never heard of this kind of stuff, and it's just, just ignore it. But that is the thing. Um, but Paul did the same stuff. Okay. And what's interesting is, uh, and I'll, I'll go there.
0: I was, I was looking at uh, talking about people saying it's just his ministry. Right, right, right so, uh, John 9, 5. This is red letters. Jesus talking. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Mm-hmm. So when he was here, he's the light of the world. Yeah. Uh, and then first Thessalonians 5, 5. This is Paul. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So when he was here, he was the light of the world. Well, he ascended up into heaven. So now Paul is telling us we're that light.
1: Absolutely. If
0: we're Christians, we're that light.
1: It's our job to to do that mission for him now. Absolutely. Amen. That's right. So, um, So again, Jesus, the work of the Lord is what Jesus, is the work the Lord did on the earth. The Lord Jesus Christ. Paul does that same thing as the church age is ushered in. Dispensational lines have been crossed. Paul is partaking in that, giving his life to that. Now, this is, I'm about to read you 1 Timothy 1.16. It's probably going to become my new life verse, at least for 2024. Uh, My life verse has changed a lot over the last several years. Um, I don't even know what it is at this point. Maybe it's this one now. But, I've said this a lot in this podcast. One of the biggest problems with Laodicea or today's Christianity is that people think it's the pastor's job to do the stuff that we're talking about. Or it's the professional paid missionary's job to do the stuff we're talking about. You know, I just, I work and I go to church. You know, that's kind of the mindset. And you can even see that mindset when people are trying to find a church because their mindset is always what can this church offer me. It's a consumer mindset. And so not which church is giving the truth, you know, not which church is doing the work of the Lord, not those it's what can this church offer me. And so you have this you just have that mindset. But I love this verse because this is the way somebody could think. With that mindset, people could use this excuse. Well, Jesus was able to do those things and to give his life to those things. I mean, he was God. And you know what I would say? That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good excuse. I mean, it, he was. And I'm not God, right? You're, you're not God. But Jesus was. Okay, so, well, uh, but Jesus gave us the Apostle Paul to stop that excuse. Because Paul was not God. He was as flesh and his blood as we are. And Paul gave his life to that. And th- listen to what Rom- uh, Romans, listen to what 1 Timothy 1.16 says. And again, think along the lines of what I said about people thinking that only the professionals in ministry are to do these kind of things. He says, "Howbeit, for this cause I obtain mercy. So he's about to tell us why he obtained mercy and salvation. That in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all suffering. Okay. For a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him. To life everlasting. You know what Paul's saying there in that verse? And I, th- I may have read this on the podcast at some point before because I like it. But what Paul is saying there is that the reason Jesus Christ gave him mercy and saved him is that is that his life, Paul's life, would be a pattern for every single person that comes to know Christ in the future. So, again, back to that mindset I said. Well, Dylan, I'm not a paid position in the ministry. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a deacon. I'm not a missionary, whatever. It doesn't matter. Paul's life, according to 1 Timothy 1.16, is a pattern for, here's the last phrase, a pattern to them which should hereafter, after Paul, believe on him to life everlasting. So if you are a current possessor of eternal life, then pause to be the model for your life. Whether you're a pastor or a plumber, or a missionary or a masonry. Is that a word? That's the thing, right? <laughs> masonry? I was just trying to give some ifs. Are that, Aren't those the ones that lay bricks? A mason. Or, are or the brick, bricklayers. Brick masons? Aren't I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> but whatever. I was trying to make it sound Baptist with the, you know, whatever. But nonetheless, that's the truth. Okay, so. Paul gave his life to the very same thing uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ gave his life to. And again, that's why when you, after you, if you know Christ as your Savior, that is why after you trusted Jesus Christ, you were still left here, is to partake in those exact same things. So, again, we're, we're pretty deep into this episode, but maybe to kind of close it and land the plane, we said that, we were going to specifically talk about evangelism so you can see the whole context of the mission. But again, the first component of that mission is evangelism. That's where it starts. Um, It's sort of like this. If a church has a discipleship ministry, but then once those people have been discipled and they're not evangelizing, guess what dies out very quickly? Your discipleship ministry (laughs) because you're not, there's no longer people they're not active people coming to Christ that need discipling and and, and and that type of thing, and so it's it's the first component. But man, without it, the work of the Lord ain't being done. Period. It's just not. And so we'll hit a few references here again talking about that. Um, Kyle, if you want to go to back to John seventeen six, John seventeen six. And we read this a second ago, but this is the evangelism part of really John 17 laying out the whole mission. And go ahead with that, big cow. Oh, I'm in Luke.
0: You said John. John 17. 17, verse 6. 17, verse 6 of John. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. And they have kept thy word.
1: All right, so there, there, what did Jesus do? He manifests the name of God. That is what we are to do to make Jesus known to people. And by the way, we're in America. If you're in America like us, most people have heard the name Jesus. And most people probably believe the fact that he died on the cross, but they don't know that that is personally needed for them. And if they're not saved, they have not trusted that. Okay, so we see that there, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, as we read earlier, he says, Go ye therefore, and said often, but go as a verb, and teach all nations. Well, notice in the first part of this, he says, teach all he says, teach all nations in verse 19. And then in verse 20, he says, teaching them. So there's two teachings. But in verse 19, he says, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. So the first teaching, what precedes baptism, is salvation. It's the gospel. That is the the teaching it's talking about there. And then verse 20 is really discipleship, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've said unto you or commanded unto you, which is the word of God. Okay. Mark 16, 15 gives it in a little bit more concise way. Talking about preaching the gospel. He literally says, uh, John 16, 15, or Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So that's what we're to do. Again, it's the first component of the mission. And I'll be honest, um, it it's one of those things that about every Christian, at least majority of Christians know that they're supposed to witness. So it's one of the most well-known things to do. But for whatever reason, it's one of the most neglected things to do. And I, I'm talking about even from from personal experience. I have no problem preaching the gospel at my church and, you know, wanting people to come to Christ and that kind of thing. And that's certainly good, but it's, it's harder preaching the gospel outside of the walls of the church. And that's the, the word go in Mark 16 and Matthew 28, literally that I looked it up in the Greek and it means go. (laughs) I love that line. I have to pull it out every once in a while. I don't even know what the Greek word is there. But anyway, it means go. It's a verb. Go outside your, the walls of, of your church to, to preach the gospel. I wrote down a couple quotes here, Big Cow, and you interject wherever. Charles Spurgeon said this, and this really goes along with of what I was talking about, what people, uh, they think oftentimes, even if they don't say it, many people think that the job of evangelism is to the professionals in ministry. Charles Spurgeon said this, Every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. Strong statement. Strong statement. Uh, somebody can be saved. This is going to be something weird for, for some people. Somebody can be saved and not be a witness. But you can't meet the definition of a Christian without being a witness. Because technically, the word Christian means little Christ. And the disciples were called Christians, first at Antioch What Acts the book of Acts says. So Christians are disciples, people that have surrendered their life to the, to the commands of Christ, not just someone that is called upon Christ for salvation. And so Charles Ferdinand is right on the money. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Hudson Taylor said this, and this certainly talks about evangelism. But it talks about the whole mission as we've laid out. He said the great, and I love Hudson Taylor's quotes. He's got a lot of good one-liners. He said, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. That's what I had pulled up. Did you have that pull one? That one. <laughs> oh, dang it. Um, but that's the truth. It, again, our, the, the, the standards of Christianity today, and we're callous to it because this is the only day and age we've lived in. But there's, the, the standards of Christianity today are so weak. They're so extremely weak. And it's sort of like Romans 12.1 that we've mentioned. It talks about presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. Well, that actually seems like a harsh thing, like a, like a dramatic thing. But then Paul says, which is your reasonable service? Um, and so what is, again, back to that quote I said earlier, when it, just because a soldier has to make morning formation. Uh, what, what was it? I'm jacking it up again. Do you know if, what? If he makes morning formation,
0: I'm going to butcher, but if he makes morning formation, he's a good soldier, but just because he's... All right, he can't
1: be a good soldier if he doesn't make morning formation. That's right, that's right. He can't be a good soldier if he doesn't make morning formation, but just because he makes morning formation doesn't make yeah. him a good soldier. So again, man, if I'm doing the checklist stuff and you know going to church, doing this and that, again you ought to be a part of the, your body, the body. That's certainly a command too. But man, it's so much more than that. It's so much more than just showing up on a pew on Sunday morning. It is to give our life to this mission. It's not, like like Hudson said, it's not an option. It's not like, well, wow, that'd be a cool thing. That's kind of rare. I, boy, if I did that, that'd be crazy. No, man, it's just the command to obey. Yeah. And oftentimes we neglect that.
0: Yeah, that, that word commission, I looked up in the Webster's 1828. Mm-hmm. It, it literally says the act of committing, but it says... It's a charge, it's an order, it's a mandate. Yeah. It's it's not an option, like hudson said.
1: Yeah, it would be, and again, we've been com, uh, comparing all this to, you know, like soldiers in, in war today. It would be like the commander, and, I, and Kyle's been in the military, he would know about this stuff better than me, I'm going to butcher it. But like, uh, whoever the guy is that tells the people they're platooning somewhere, if they would be like, man, I'm a real stud because I actually did what he told me to do. Like He didn't have a choice. That soldier didn't have a choice. He had to go. And that's really the way we got to look at the, the mission. We don't have a choice. Now, we should do it because we love Christ, and we should do it because we want a good appearance of the judgment seat of Christ and all those things. But if we're, man, Christ says, if you love me, in John 14, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So it's hard for me to say that I love Christ if I'm not actively engaged in the mission and again the first component of the mission is evangelism so am i am i active in that um cal I've, I've just got really i got a few more passages, but the last main passage is 2 corinthians 5. so i keep beating this drum that every christian is to partake and give their life into the mission so like if you're a, if you're a plumber out there i keep using plumber i don't know why if you're a plumber out there you think that you're a plumber because that's what provides your income. And that's certainly important. And the Bible is clear on that too, that we're to provide for the men specifically are to provide for their families. If they don't, they're worse than an infidel, what the Bible says. But that mission does not primary. I mean, that uh, position at work does not primarily exist for income. It primarily exists for the mission. Like we have to see our lives that way. That every single component of our lives is for the mission. That's why. That's why it's there. The work I work at is for the mission. the The ball team I play on, or that my kids play on, is for the mission. I mean everything. It, the The people that I that I run into on a daily basis, it, it's for the mission. So again, it's for everybody, not just for 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 professional uh, people in ministry. So. Kyle, are you in 2 Corinthians 5? Yeah. Read verse uh, 18 through verse 20. 18. And all things
0: are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, We pray you in Christ's steed, be
1: reconciled to God. Okay, so verse 17, we didn't read, but that's where the the famous verse that talks about, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Okay, but then notice verse verse 18, as Kyle read, it said, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Okay, so reconciliation happened to every single person that's gotten saved. They're, they're rec- they were separated from God because of sin. They trusted Christ's work and they got reconciled and b- brought to God in a relationship with Him. We understand that. But the second part of that verse says, after they were reconciled to God, so again, not professional preachers, not pastors, not missionaries, but the people that were, are reconciled to God, which is all Christians, it says, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So many people may say, I'm not called in the ministry. If you're saved, you are. You, that is, that's, that's, that's an unbiblical statement. If nothing else, you're, you're, for one, you're called to be a part of a local church. Again, there's no uh, independent contractors in, in the mission in, in the New Testament local, in church age. But, but we're called. Every single person that's been reconciled to God has been given the ministry of reconciliation. So as we walk about every single day, man, we know our hey, I'm awake and living and breathing today because I'm a part. God has called me and given me a, this ministry to help reconcile men back to Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then in verse 20, it says that we're ambassadors for Christ, and we know what an ambassador is. We're representing him to a people that don't know him, and that's truly to be our life. I'm- I was
0: looking at this the other day, but this is actually where you were talking about hyper dispensationalists earlier. Yeah. Instead of reading the Matthew, Mark, Luke, whatever, mm-hmm. this is the place they go to for the, the commission. Uh, oh, yeah. Right here. Yeah, right 18 the, through 20. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I
1: mean, and it really is. I mean, it's, it's that commission. Like I said, it, and like I was saying, people, people do that in a slanderous way oftentimes, but yeah, it, it goes coincide. It coincides with what Jesus did because Paul did what Jesus did. Um, and so, but we can see it, man. So you're called to the ministry. Even if you, if, if you know Jesus Christ right now and you're not even a part of a local church, you're, you're, you need to get plugged into a local church and you've been given a ministry to go out and to reconcile man to Jesus Christ. And by the way, if we've been given this ministry, the word of God says in Luke 12, 48, to whom much is given, much shall be required. This is going to show up at the judgment seat of Christ. What, what kind of stewards we were with this ministry. So it's so extremely important. Okay, I only got two more things to say, Big Kai, and you, you got anything else, you just fly away with it. But something interesting about evangelism uh, is, I wrote this down. It's the only thing that causes heaven to pause. So Luke fifteen ten. Luke fifteen ten says, "Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth." So, in other words, what are what's going on in heaven right now? There's praise being being given to uh, by the throne of the Lord. But man, when one sinner comes to repentance, it says that that heaven has the celebration. Angels are rejoicing. Over one, over one, you lead one soul to Christ in just the most unimpressive way. It's not, it doesn't have to be a crazy revival. I mean, you just give somebody the gospel and they simply put their faith in Jesus Christ and angels are rejoicing in heaven. That's, that's That's a pretty crazy thing, okay? And then secondly, I wrote this down. It not only makes heaven pause, But this same thing also, when Jesus was in his earthly ministry, it also caused Jesus to stop in his tracks. Okay, why do I say that? Well, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We have this picture, this guy by the name of Blind Bartimaeus. And this, again, this is a different dispensation because it is during the Gospels. The church age hadn't been ushered in yet. But we can get the typology here. Same thing going down here. Mark 10, verse 47 through 49. Blind Bartimaeus knows that Jesus is coming. He's coming through the, the town. And he needs Jesus to do something for him. He's a beggar. He is hopeless. It pictures a sinner that, that that is hopeless before Christ. That is that is how someone, that's that's how every man comes to Christ, knowing that in and of themselves they have they're hopeless. They need Jesus Christ, and so verse forty-seven it says, and when he to Mount Blind Bartimaeus, and when he heard that uh, that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou Son of David, have mercy upon me. And that's what happens when a lost sinner comes to Christ. They simply know they need Christ, and they call out to God for mercy. Okay, he's calling out to Jesus, says, Have mercy on me. Verse 48, and many charged him that he should hold his peace. They're saying like, dude, chill out. What are you doing? But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And verse 49 is so amazing. Again, picture Jesus walking through this town. A lot of people around. A lot of people knew who Jesus was. He was very popular. Verse 49, and Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they call the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. So Jesus literally stops what he's doing, and this simple uh, beggar that is blind on the side of the road, probably a homeless, probably someone that most of society would look down upon, he wasn't able to uh, you know, do majority of things because of his blindness, calls out for mercy to the Lord, and it stops Jesus in his tracks. And so, man, we can see the emphasis And the heartbeat of God and really the reason on why he would give us the ministry of reconciliation. And so when you think about, uh, you know, our Christian life and while we're still here, we can do every single thing better in heaven once we're there outside of the things the mission's given us. We can't evangelize once we're in heaven because things are done at that point. We can't disciple a believer and grow them in the faith once we're in heaven because at that point they'll, they'll understand those things. It's, they're, they have no more to give in their Christian life on this earth. And we won't be able to send those, those people into plant churches once we're in heaven. The, the mission is the only thing we can do uh, now that we won't be able to do better in heaven. We'll be able to praise Him better in heaven. We'll be able to worship Him better in heaven. Uh, we'll know certain doctrines better in heaven, all those things, but we can't do the mission better in heaven because that time will pass. So it kind of reminds me of a verse that I I go to all the time, but Esther 4.14, Mordecai asks Esther this question. He said, Are thou come to this kingdom for such a time as this? So man, you're here living and breathing, interacting and coming across the people that you come across on a daily basis with, for such a time as this, not by accidents, for God's purpose and God's reason. And that's why we're here.
0: Yeah, that's good. I was looking at Second Corinthians 5, where you were reading earlier about we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, verse 11, back before that, we've read before, but knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Yeah. Uh, but down to verse 14, it says, for the love of Christ constraineth us. Yeah. And that word constrain, if you look it up in 1828, it means to compel. So the love of Christ compels us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Verse 15, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So the love of Christ compels us to do these things. This mission, right. you're talking about that, that love of Christ, that Holy Spirit living in us, that, that compels us. It, it should... Push us toward that mission.
1: Yeah, it should motivate us and drive yeah. us absolutely. Yep. And um, one, uh,
0: one of the verses I, I love to read is John eight thirty one. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on Him. He's talking to Jews, yeah. But if ye continue in My Word, then are ye My disciples mm-hmm. indeed. Right. And that's that should be our goal for right. for us to be called a a disciple indeed. That's right. A follower of Christ indeed.
1: That's right. He <laughs> made me think about it because he's talking about the love of Christ constraining us. Uh, so I read that quote from Charles Spurgeon earlier. It said, every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. There's a second part to it where he goes on to say this. You either try to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all. It cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus and a total and a totally silent tongue about him. And so that goes along with that passage there he read. It's just impossible. Yep. It can't coincide.
0: That's good. All right. I like this new series. Yes, evangelism. It should motivate
1: us going into the new year. Yeah, refocus yeah, us,
0: get us focused. Everybody, everybody does a New Year's resolution. That's right. Let ours be that we'll we'll get out there. Yes, sir. <laughs> Let people know about Christ. Uh, but stay tuned. Don't forget, share this thing. Uh, I don't know. I guess some people saw we posted a shirt the other day. Maybe, maybe we'll get those get those out there soon. Do a giveaway or something. We'll see. And let's
1: we'll say this too. We may eventually do, um, like a, and we don't have a lot of people write into us, so let me just preface it by saying that. <laughs> yeah, I probably shouldn't said that, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Um, but we may eventually do like a Q and A or like something. Like if, if there's a topic or a question you'd like answered, like you listen to these faithfully, and there's something that you would like to hear us maybe talk about or try to break down Scripture about. Um, email us or Facebook messages or Instagram messages or something and um, maybe we can compile some of those and do an episode just on those down the road I don't know how long that would take to get those but if you have one just go ahead and shoot it to us even if it's a month down the road maybe we get to it yeah Yeah, we can
0: make a post on Facebook too and people can put questions or maybe topics they want to talk about want to hear alright stay tuned for this this series on evangelism